It's time now for Illinois Innovators, where we spotlight the trending topics in research, technology, and entrepreneurship surrounding the Granger Engineering community at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Welcome to another edition of Illinois Innovators. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. Today's guest is Hector Silva, a postdoctoral research associate with the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, Department of Physics, a native of Brazil with a Ph.D. from the University of Mississippi. Hector earned the Gravitational Wave International Committee Brachini Thesis Prize for his thesis, Compact Objects and Relativistic Theories of Gravity. He addressed the question, if modifications of Einstein's general relativity do exist in nature, could they leave observable imprints in astrophysical systems and in gravitational wave observations? His focus has been primarily on neutron stars and black holes. Hector, uh, uh, welcome to the program yeah, and welcome you. to the University of Illinois. Yeah, You're, uh, thank you, Mike. Uh, a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. Relatively new uh, addition coming from Montana State. Yes, exactly. I just uh, moved in in mid-August, so I'm, so I'm still uh, learning about the, the university and get, getting familiar with it. So talk a little bit about your background um, before we get started, uh, how you got to, to here. We gave you a, a little bit uh, of information in the, in the open, but uh, give us an idea of how you got involved and how you got interested uh, in astrophysics. Yeah, so I, I, I come from a family which has some, a, a bit of a background in doing scientists, mostly in biology, which sounds reasonable considering how much biodiversity we have in Brazil. And so I did my, uh, my uh, undergrad and my master's in the city of Belém at the Federal, Federal University of Pará, which is uh, one of the largest universities that we have in Brazil in the Amazon region. Then I moved to the United States to do my PhD at the University of Mississippi. And then I did, which I got in 2017, and then I went to Montana, and then I moved to, to Illinois. So I always had a, some, some interest in, in physics, um, in learning about nature, and for the type of questions that I'm interested in, um, Astrophysical systems are the ideal place to look at for to to try to answer the questions that I'm that I'm interested in. Well, it doesn't uh, maybe directly apply to you, but obviously this summer, uh, University of Illinois uh, physicists uh, they they played a, a, a big role in the first ever photos taking of a black hole. How exciting was that for you? Yeah, that's a a very exciting uh, uh, discovery, and and in. in retrospective, it was a very exciting month when this uh, image was released to the public because it was in the same week, if I remember correctly, in which the gravitational wave uh, differometers, uh, like when Virgo, had started to see a bunch of new candidates for black hole mergers. So it was, we basically had a black hole week in a sense <laughs> with people seeing the image of black holes and seeing these new signals of merging black holes. So it was a very exciting week. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, two pillars when it comes to um, scientists, uh, Newton and Einstein, and your uh, uh, work kind of comes at the, uh, the, the merger of those when, and when it comes to astrophysics. Uh, so talk a little bit about, people have heard the theory of relativity, 
and mm-hmm. um, and then obviously Newton with his uh, gravitational um, discoveries. Just talk mm-hmm. about the basics there um, and what they what they say. Yeah. So the the study of gravity has a very long history, and I think we can put one of the fundamental um, benchmarks in, in in this process when Newton formulated the laws of of gravity in his Principia in in the 700s, where you see gravity as being this attraction between bodies, uh, which scale with some one over distance, uh, distance square that, that we are familiar with from, from high school physics, for instance. And this was the standard description of gravity for centuries. Uh, if you try to apply it for the solar system to describe the motion of the bodies in the solar system, it works very well. You can do people, in fact, uh, discover the Uranus like, like this. And But then, in, at the turn of the 20th century, there were a, a few open problems in theoretical physics that people were trying to resolve. One of these led eventually to the discovery of quantum mechanics, and the other one led to the discovery of special relativity. So when Einstein formulated special relativity, initially it didn't include gravity into it, and it wasn't the, but it included, for instance, electro, electromagnetism, Maxwell's equations, and uh, all those things. But then when, in, in the process to try to incorporate gravity within a relativistic framework, Einstein came up with this new idea of general relativity in which, as some of its consequences, is that we now see gravity as a manifestation of space-time curvature caused by um, very massive bodies. So this, so we substitute this force picture that we have in Newtonian gravity by this space-time curvature uh, vision on, in Newtonian, I mean, in Einstein's uh, theory. So we, we do talk about, in outer space, for instance, zero gravity. Is that, is that uh, accurate, necessarily? You know, because you're talking about gravity and when it comes to stars and, and other objects in space. Can, can you kind of clarify that for us? Yeah, so you, you, you would have a, uh, well, you can define some notion of zero gravity in general relativity as well. This will be... Um, Observers, uh, particles which are following in uh, what technically what we call geodesics. So the, this is what we define as a free fall motion in in in, in general relativity. And the theory also finds many applications in in astrophysics. For instance, the very notion of black hole is something that comes naturally of of general relativity. So this idea that you have a an object which has a, a sources a gravitational field so strong that not even light can can escape from it, and well, we 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 have seen black holes, and we know that they play an important role in in many processes in in astrophysics. But you also have other objects like neutron stars, which I studied in in my thesis, which are the second strongest sources of gravitational fields that we know of in the universe. So general relativity does play a, a very uh, prominent role in, in astronomy and astrophysics in general. 
So talk about neutron stars. Um, we hear a lot about black holes, obviously, as you mentioned. Um, neutron stars, um, we don't hear as much, but as you said, they have, uh, they're, they're, they have similar characteristics. Yeah, so neutron stars, they, they are the end point of, of stellar evolution of certain stars which have a, a, a sufficient, with mass that falls within a, within a certain range. And, and at the end of this stellar evolution, there's this thing called a supernova explosion, and the neutron, a neutron star is the remnant of of this of this explosion. So, so neutron star, neutron stars are very interesting to study many aspects of fundamental physics. For instance, uh, as we have spoken already, they they source the strongest, the second strongest. Uh, gravitational fields that we know about. And since they, they're super dense, so just to give an, an idea of, the, of what we are talking about when we uh, are talking about neutron stars, they have masses which are about 1.5 or 1.4 times the mass of the sun. And you have all this mass packed in a little sphere of about 12 kilometers. So this is... Um, I think it's less than the distance from here to, to Chicago, for sure. <laughs> I don't know exactly <laughs> how much it is, but it's certainly less than this. So you have all this incredible amount of material packed in a tiny little sphere. So the densities are very high, and this is what causes uh, uh, this tremendous amount of uh, this very strong source of gravitational field. And they also allow you to, to study properties of matter in regimes that we cannot really reproduce doing nuclear physics experiments on Earth. So for, so for instance, the densities at the interior of the stars, they are higher than the density of the atomic nuclei. So, it's, so, so the conditions inside neutron stars are, are very different, and you cannot really probe them using laboratory. Uh, experiments. So because of this, you can use neutron stars to study, for instance, fundamental aspects of particle physics, say quantum chromodynamics, and also gravitational physics as well as uh, general relativity. So what uh, types of st studies have existed so far on, on neutron stars that you had to, to kind of build on with this study? Yeah, so, they, so there's a, a a long history on, on studies of, of neutron stars. Um, on the observational side, they, they led to this, um, to this properties that, that I described it to you, like they have this mass of 1.4 solar masses, and they, they are very tiny, um, radius of about 12 kilometers. And, and and as I said, they, they source these very strong gravitational fields. And if you really want to describe them accurately and reproduce these properties that, that we observe, you really need to use a relativistic description of gravity. So you cannot use Newton's theory to, to do so. You, you would completely uh, fail describing what astronomers see. Uh, so you need to include general relativity in, in the game if you want to 
to, to study their properties. So let's transition into the, your uh, uh, paper that uh, was presented and, and was, uh, was awarded uh, this summer. Um, talk about what, what, uh, has, what went into that and, and what were the observations um, and discoveries that you were able to make through that paper. Uh, so, the, um, so, so to talk a little bit about this, I have to give a little bit of background about why some people like myself study theories beyond general relativity. So there are many, many experimental tests of general relativity that people have performed using solar system, more recently with gravitational wave observations where we see that this merger processes of, of coalescence and, and merger of black holes, they, they follow what general relativity predicts. But there are still open questions in, in the field that we don't know how to describe. For instance, we don't have a consistent theory of quantum gravity yet, and one of the ways of doing this, one of the proposed ways of doing this is try to modify general relativity a little bit because this helps in the quantization process. Uh, grand unification theories which aim at describing all fundamental interactions within a single framework, in certain limits of them, you do recover general relativity to describing gravity, but with additional modifications as well. For instance, this is what happens in string theory, for instance. On the observational side, you, we have things like cos in cosmology, there is this problem of the dark energy that we don't know what it is, but we know that it's driving a, an accelerated expansion of the universe that astronomers have, have observed. One of the possibilities for to explain dark energy is that gravity somehow behaves differently at cosmological scales uh, relative to, to general relativity. So, there's, so this is all the background behind all the studies on modified fears of gravity. So one question that, that you can um, pose when, when, you, when you face this situation is, what are the astrophysical implications of these modifications that people propose and, and also appear naturally in, in certain scenarios? So given that we are talking about strong field gravity in the sense that you need to use a relativistic description of, of gravity to describe uh, this, this case is uh, you naturally look at neutron stars and, and black holes because they are the strongest sources of gravitational fields that we know about. So I, a good chunk of my thesis was split into parts. One, looking at certain well-motivated uh, theories which expand general relativity by, you know, there are certain technicalities which don't matter, but the, the important bit, bit to the listeners that you have general relativity plus additional contributions. So we studied how these additional contributions affect the properties of neutron stars and, and black holes, and whether you can use this to, for instance, try to constrain these theories, uh, since they, they predict different things relative to general relativity. And on another aspect that I, another topic that I addressed in my thesis what is, was whether you can parameterize in a way our ignorance about physics beyond general relativity. So there's this, um, you try to describe 
what we don't know in terms of some free parameters, and you try to constrain those using uh, observations. So will there be another th theory that comes out? Um, of, you know, we're kind of beginning to understand um, the relativity when it comes to uh, neutron stars and, and black holes. Do, do we, are we working towards a th you know, maybe a, a modified theory, if you will, and it includes the things that are happening there? Yeah, so the, there is a, a, a large class of, of theories that, that, that people have proposed over the decades motivated by trying to address all these issues that, that I mentioned um, earlier. Whether there is one specific that sounds more promising or not, I'm, I, I don't think we can signal one uh, yet, like pinpoint one. My stance is to be very agnostic about this, so I, I don't take a certain preferred theory. I just choose one, which looks promising at the moment, and I try to work out the consequences of it. So if it has nice properties and, and if it can describe what we see, that's good. But if it, if it doesn't, that's fine. So at least we rule out a certain theory and we can move to the next one and, and keep playing this game. So talk about the uh, the LIGO uh, Virgo detections. Um, as we talked about earlier, these kind of came at the same time as, as uh, your thesis came out. Um, can you expand on uh, what happened there and, and uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so the first detections happened in 2014. And the, the detections that I, that I uh, mentioned earlier, they, they are from this third observing run uh, that, that started uh, last year. But the, yeah, so, so basically what, what LIGO and Virgo saw was the gravitational wave signal coming from from the in-spiral of two black holes. And they've also seen two neutron stars, but I'll, I'll describe what happens with black holes uh, just for simplicity. For neutron stars, it's, it's more or less similar. So, you, so the picture that, that you should have in mind is that you have these two strong sources of gravitational field, two black holes, and they are orbiting around one another. And in this orbit, they produce gravitational waves, which are these tiny little ripples on space-time which, as they are produced, they carry energy away from the system. And this loss of energy causes the orbit to slowly shrink. So, so this process goes on for a number of, of orbits, up to a point where the two black holes, they eventually collide with one another. They form a final black hole. And then it settles down to a final state by emitting the last tiny bits of gravitational waves. So basically what LIGO and, and Virgo have saw and, uh, and are seen uh, still are the gravitational waves produced in, this, in these processes. So in, in a lot of sense, you're just beginning here. Uh, what, what do you, uh, what, what's the future look like here? And, and, and what, do you, what, what do you, will your lab look like and, and what are some of the, the projects that you're hoping to, 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 to do that, that kind of uh, build on this thesis? Yeah, so my, my interest in the, in the past months or so, and, I, and it's probably what I'll be working here uh, for, for the next year, is in the description of what happens after 
the two black holes in this process that I just described a minute ago. Uh, once they merge, I said that there is this this settling down into a final black hole with uh, an emission of a little bit of gravitational waves. So I'm interested in describing uh, this situation. And this is interesting for, for s uh, a number of reasons. Uh, this part of the merging process, we call it the ring down. And it, it has this meaning because black holes very much like, like if you take a bell and you hit it with a hammer, at, at the first moments you will see this complicated sound with many notes playing at the same time, but after it settles a little bit, you just hear the pure notes of the bell, independently of how strongly you, you hit the hammer of what material that you, you, you hit it, so independent of the perturbation, using the technical term. And a very similar thing happens with black holes, actually. So if you were to perturb a black hole and you let it settle, it rings in the form of gravitational waves with very specific frequencies. And these frequencies, they can be mapped directly into properties of the black hole, specifically the mass and the spin, which are the only two things that you need to describe a black hole in general relativity, actually. So I'm, so I'm interested in, in studying how this ring down picture changes beyond general relativity because because if you were able to, to extract these frequencies, and we haven't been able to do so yet because the signal is, uh, is weak at, at this point, but future gravitational wave detectors will be able to do so. If you're able to, to measure these frequencies, you would be able to tell if the final black hole is exactly what general relativity predicts or not. And if not, you can try to see which theory predicts this black holes that, uh, that you're seeing. So in other words, you are, um creating a hypothesis and trying to observe uh, based on measurements and, and visual observe, you know, observations, does this hypothesis actually work out? And if not, is there something else that explains it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the, a big part of the game is to, to explore different modifications to general relativity, which are well-motivated, and they change some of the, that come out by, say, changing some of the fundamental principles of general relativity and try to confront it against observations and see if they actually describe things uh, or not. The, and if, if, it, if it happens that we find uh, a new, well, something that deviates from what general relativity predicts, that, that will be a, quite a big thing and it will teach us something very fundamental about nature. Uh, so uh, this is the, the main motivation okay. behind this work and, uh, and what we do here because in Illinois. We, we tend to think nature happening on Earth. You obviously think well beyond that in yeah. terms of the, the universe, and so it's interesting that these theories, do they, do they hold true going beyond the Earth and, and even beyond our solar system to, to other... Um, to other worlds, uh, if you will. Yeah, so the so many of these theories that, that, that I've been talking about, they, they do 
coincide with the predictions of general relativity when you go to this thing that we call the weak field limit. So when you have bodies which don't source uh, strong gravitational fields. So for instance, our, our solar system is a is a is a, a perfect example. So since the 70s, people have done many experiments testing the again the weak field limit of general relativity, and things work work very well. So any theory that you want to say describe that you want to formulate to describe, for instance, dark energy and try to re to to, exp to explain it through uh, some modification to general relativity, it has to satisfy all, all everything that happens at the solar system. It cannot predict things that we are not seen here. Mm -hmm. So so it's. So it's actually a, a quite a bit complicated problem for theorists because you, you're trying to formulate one thing that works well from the scale of solar systems and all the way up to cosmology. So the length scales are, are very, very big that, that you want to, uh, to cover within a single framework. Are we, in relative sense, in kind of the beginning stages of studying black holes? I mean, they, they, uh, it's not that we're have begun that, but it seems like we're maybe in the infant stage of really understanding the properties of black holes. Yeah, so from a mathematical point of view, um, many of the properties of black holes were studied in the 70s when it, it was a period when the physics community basically saw general relativity as being pure mathematics in, in a sense that it would have very little applications to, to, a, to a real world. Um, but the, the interesting thing about what, what we are living right now from the past three, five years is that we are seeing, we are starting to see this, the universe through this gravitational wave uh, window. And, and, as, and as it happened previously in, in astronomy, every time you, you, you started looking at the universe through a new wavelength like x-rays uh, and so on you you always find something new so there could be room for surprises now that we have been able to look at the universe through the gravitational wave uh, uh, signal so this from an observational point of view these are these are very exciting times now that we are seeing merging mergers of black holes like a couple of every month so for people who are interested in astrophysics and study population of black holes, that's excellent because now they have many data points for, for, for the models and for people who want to do theory like me, it's an excellent place to test general relativity. So there's a lot, all these things are, are motivating a lot of, uh, they're causing a lot of uh, uh, um, new work in, in the field. Uh, it was kind of takes me to my next question, and you you answered it to a certain extent. It is an exciting time to yeah. be in your field because uh, yeah, exactly. um, things are ha as you said, things are happening every month. It seems like um, yeah. Wh where where um, where do you see this going? What what do you what do you think we're going to? What kinds of things are we going to discover in the next four or five years or so? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a good question. Um, so I I think that with the gravitational wave, uh, well, from a theorist's point of view, it will be very exciting if we saw something which is completely 
new and rather unexpected. The things that we have seen so far, uh, the, they are consistent with the, general, the predictions of general relativity. There are new exciting things from the astrophysical point of view. For instance, people were not expecting to see black holes in the mass range in which LIGO has seen black holes merging. People didn't know that there were black holes with this 10 uh, solar masses. So this is new for, for astrophysics. Uh, we, ha we have seen the, the merge of two neutron stars, which helped uh, um, help test in our theories about how heavy elements form uh, and so on. So this is very exciting. And but from a theoretician point of view, uh, it would still be very exciting to s if we saw something like uh, different from from what general relativity predicts. In the long term, there are new gravitational observatories that will come soon. Uh, one of them, which is very interest, which I'm interested in, is, is LISA, which is a space-based gravitational wave interferometer, and is expected to, to be launched in the 2030s. Uh, so you, you can do preparation work for that time. That will uh, focus on gravitational waves in a different frequency band. So we are starting. So with this, future gravitational wave detectors will be listening to to the gravitational wave spectrum at different bands. And at each and each time you go to a new band, there's the possibility of seeing something new, something exciting uh, going on there. So the field is very promising for the next decades. Well, Hector Silva has been our guest, and uh, certainly uh, exciting stuff. I know yeah. it's, it's, it was a thrill uh, for me to be able to, 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 to pick your brain uh, in this, <laughs> this topic because uh, there, it, is, it is interesting stuff, and there's, there's a lot of new things happening, yeah, as we talked uh, about. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things. Uh, I think that speaking for the, for the younger audience, uh, people who are starting to study physics now, people who are planning to go to grad school, I think this is a very exciting field to move on, and it will certainly stay like this for the coming decades. We look forward and and uh, seeing what's happening in the future, and, and thank you very much for, uh, for being a guest on our program. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mike, for the invitation. It was a pleasure. So Hector Silva has been our guest. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. This has been another edition of Illinois Innovators. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Illinois Innovators. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher, or become involved in our community by using the hashtag Illinois Innovators.